0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Glock 9 Show. First off, I want to start this by saying that this has been a really hard podcast to get ready for because, you know, you're probably living under a rock if you haven't heard about the shooting that happened in Texas. Uh, Many people know that I was in Texas when this happened. It was about 200 miles away from where we are from. And the issue is, it's been about a week now. Since this you know it's happened and there's so many conflicting reports and there's so many backtracking from officials and reporters where I want to make one thing clear in the very beginning of this podcast that anything I talk about today, by the time you hear this, could be backtracked, could be, you know, uh recanted later on. So Take everything with a grain of salt. I'm gonna go through a couple different um, articles here that seem to be the most consistent as we know them right now, and then we're gonna get into a very controversial topic. You know, you know, just like I said when we were talking about the whole Roe v. Wade situation, that this is one of the conversations where uh, it's it's one of those things where you know there's never really a winner, a loser, whatever in the argument. You could think one way, the other person thinks the other way, and it's it all comes down to you. And obviously people know what my name is, so people <laughs> people pretty much know that I'm going to swing, you know, a certain way, but I'm gonna explain it. And one of my favorite things and I like to say, you know, it's very easy for you to get, and you in, in this kind of situation, we all should be emotional about it, we all should feel a certain way about it, you know, it's a travesty, and I get it. But, you know, I always say, and I, I always hear people say it, I agree, facts don't care about your feelings facts are facts and we're gonna go through some statistics here in a little bit and you know i don't know how long this podcast is gonna be it might have to be into a two-parter if i get into everything but we'll we'll see exactly how far we get but with you know we're gonna go through a timeline that is you know it's been updated a couple times and it's from the texas tribune of a timeline of what happened that day, that day, and we'll get into the history of, of the guy and the things that he was saying and doing, but just to give you guys a clear picture of what's going on. So this article is from the Texas Tribune. It's called what we know minute by minute about how the Evaldi shooting and police response unfolded. So it says, details of how Gunman was able to enter Robb Elementary School in Uvalde uh, and killed 19 students and two teachers over the course of an hour have come out in parcels over the last few days. Governor Greg Abbott and Texas Department of Public Safety officials have walked back some of their initial statements about the shooting and authorities' response to the call after contradictory information came to light. Authorities first stated that officers engaged with the gunman before he entered the school. They later corrected themselves and said he went inside unopposed. Details of how long it took the officers to re-enter the school after their first confrontation with the shooter, about an hour and 15 minutes, have also sparked widespread outrage and criticism. So this is a timeline of how this all went down. So starting back in September 2021, it has been said that uh, the shooter asked his sister to help him buy a gun, which she then refused. So this is, again, September 2021. And then you skip forward to March 1st through the 3rd, 2022. uh, The gunman was sending messages on Instagram about guns. On March 1st, the shooter discussed wanting to purchase a gun in a group chat on Instagram in another Instagram chat on March 3rd, someone tells the shooter, "We're on the street. You're, you're buying a gun." Which the shooter replies, "Just bought something right now." On March 14th, the gunman makes a Instagram post. The gunman makes an Instagram post with the caption that says, "Quote: Ten more days." A and then the user commented on it and said, "Are you going to shoot up a school or something?" And then the shooter actually replies and says, "No. And stop asking dumb questions. And you'll see." But yet, investigators didn't because his, his his Instagram account was taken down so fast. Uh, investigators didn't specify what the post consisted of, but obviously it tells me that he was planning something. Uh, you know, uh, whether the school is the original target or you know, especially the guy straight calls him out and asks him. which is kind of weird that somebody would actually post something like that on Instagram asking, "Are you going to shoot a school or something?" So I mean, with how much people don't understand that we have people people that, like, watch online activity, how is that not flagged, right? Because that was on March 14th. March, again, March. So this is a couple months ago. And then, uh, so obviously nothing happened in 10 more days unless uh, that's when he was planning on buying the gun. I'm not entirely sure because it wasn't until March, or, I'm sorry, May, not March, May 16th that he bought his guns and ammunition. So it says here yeah, the shooter turned 18, the legal age of purchasing a rifle in Texas, which also across many states to buy to buy a rifle is uh, 18 years old. it's not just Texas. Uh, the shooter then legally purchases two ARS uh, from a local federal firearm license licensee on on two days, May 17th and May 20th he also bought 375 rounds of 556 caliber ammunition. So fast forward just a couple days uh, May 24th, the day of the shooting. Around 11 a.m., he sent Facebook messages. The shooter sent private Facebook messages to a girl in Germany he met online and tells her about his plans to shoot his grandmother. Uh, The gunman shoots his grandmother in the face, who then calls police. Last I checked, uh, real quick, last I checked, his grandmother is alive. She was shot in the face, and praise God she's still alive. Um, And she's actually the one that uh, alerted the authorities first. Uh, the shooter then steals his grandmother's vehicle and drives from his home to Rob Elementary School, which is about a two-mile drive away. Um, so about 11.28 a.m., he arrives at the school. The shooter cl- crashes the vehicle in a ditch near the school. He fires his gun at two male witnesses who began approaching the crash to help out from a nearby funeral home, and then the witnesses flee and call 911. Uh, uh, two minutes later, a teacher calls 911. The teacher at elementary school uh, makes a 911 call reporting the crash and seeing the shooter noting he has a gun. The shooter walks towards the school, climbs the fence into the parking lot, and shoots at the school several times. Uh, Just a minute later, he walks through the parking lot. Uh, He reaches the last row of the vehicles in the school parking lot, firing his rifle throughout. Police arrive at the funeral home. A school district police officer speeds in the direction of a person they think is the man with the gun reported by the teacher, but drives past the gunman and heads to the back of the school, mistaking a teacher for the shooter. Uh, Two minutes later, at 11.33 a.m., the shooter actually enters the school and then Real quick, this is this is where we can't get a, a, a true story on what happened here. First, we were told that the back door was propped open by a teacher, which it shouldn't have been. And then they tried to close it, and the, the automatic lock didn't take. Then we're finding out that uh, you know, the back door was propped open. It wasn't even trying to be shut. I swear at one point I saw a video of him actually walking up to the school and just walking right in the back door. The door was propped open, but now I can't find the video. So this is a very hard, um, uh, you know, thing to try and get the truth on because there's been so many people talking about so many different things. But it says at 1133, the, the, the shooter enters the school through a back door. He shoots at least 100 rounds into classrooms 111 and 112, which are connected. Authorities originally said a teacher left the pro- door propped open, but later said a teacher closed the door and the automatic lock failed. Um, so, two minutes later, the uh, Uvalde police enter the school. Three three police officers rush to the same door the gunman used, which was closed. They enter and receive grazing wounds from the gunman, and then they retreat. Later, four more officers, including a deputy from the Uvalde County Sheriff's Office, enter the school. The gunman fires sixteen more rounds. Um, and then Rob Elementary School, you know, about six minutes later, they, um, post on Facebook that it's under lockdown status due to gunshots in the area. The students and staff are safe inside the building. The building is secure at a lockdown status. School officials say in the announcement at the same time, you've already police department post on Facebook, large police presence at Rob Elementary. We ask the public to avoid the area. One minute later, the police officer, police officers are inside at 1144 a.m. Police with the city of Uvalde and local school district are inside the school. They hear gunfire uh, are shot at and move back and get cover. Initial officers are there and receive gunfire. They uh, therefore do not make entry. Officers call everyone in the area uh, for additional resources, tactical teams, equipment, specialty equipment, body armor, precision rifles, and negotiators. They're evacuating students and teachers during this time. Um, About Seven minutes later, 11:51 a.m. More police arrive on the scene. Three minutes later, uh, there's a video that was actually posted. Uh, So it's been 21 minutes since the shooter has entered the school, and they're showing the video of how they basically no one's in the school. Police are basically standing off. Um, You know, parents are already getting to the school. Trying, you know, when their kids are across the street, you can hear gunfire, and they're basically being told like. I, it's hard for me to say because obviously you're trying to keep people calm, but at the same time the parents know their kids, are, their babies are in there, and you're sitting here doing nothing. Just tell me to stay calm. How the heck am I going to stay calm in a situation like this? Right? Uh, we'll get to more of that in a second. So, you know, more police. You know, three minutes later, more police end up starting to arrive at 12:03. Uh, again, if you go back to when he first entered the school, it's 11:33, and now we're here at 12:10. And, you know, police are still arriving, um, you know, at le- it says meanwhile at, at least uh, 19 officers are positioned in the school's hallway but not not advancing even while hearing uh, gunfire. Uh, students are calling 911 saying multiple people are dead, uh, calling 911 again three minutes later. Authorities have not expanded on the comments of these phone calls. 12.15 uh, p.m., Border Patrol Tactical Unit arrives. Um... Another student calls 911 saying eight or nine students are alive. At 1217, school finally announces active shooter on the campus. Um, And then here we go at 1217 as well. Onlookers and parents beg for action. It said at some point during the standoff, onlookers beg police to charge charge the school. Uh, Parents try to break windows and are not allowed to immediately be reunited with the kids. Um, now I'm going to stop for a second Because this is probably the worst part of this entire thing And probably one of the worst You know Things that I, I have seen the videos of And I can only imagine As a father of four Um, You're sitting there Knowing that your kids are in the school Right And you hear gunfire across the street Police are just sitting there Behind a barricade not doing anything And you're obviously Frantic You're obviously it, it probably the worst moment of your entire life, and you're you know maybe you're being belligerent, maybe you're screaming and yelling, and it, 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 it's one of those things you have to understand, like as these police officers should know. But instead, in these videos, they actually tased one one parent, and and handcuffed another one and threw them to the ground, and it, 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 it it's honestly very sad, um and obviously I'm a huge police officer supporter, but. In that kind of, I, I I still don't have an answer, and what I've been looking for, um, as to what their excuse was for doing this to parents whose kids are being shot at in the school. It, it's honestly a horrific video if you've seen it. Uh, to see parents get tased and see them handcuffed and thrown on their face on the ground while their kids are being, you know, shot at the school. It's it's. It, it, I don't even know the words to say. It's, it, it's just lack of what's going on around, like not, awareness of what's going on around you. I mean, I, mean, I don't know why none of these, I mean, obviously there's been reports that they were told to stand down, but still you think that you're, you know, you have a moral right to break the code and just go in and try and stop this guy. And that no, no police officers really took that initiative. And I've talked to a couple of buddies of mine who are police officers who said that they would not be able to stand outside the school without going in. Because in reality, 99% of the time, uh, police officers know when they take on that job and and, they, and they're sworn in that you are the one that's running towards gunfire while everybody else is running away. And to sit there across the street from a elementary school and constantly hearing gunfire and to not say, forget this, I can't stand down, uh, I'm going in... Uh, you know, even a group of you guys could stand up and go in there. I'm pretty sure if you guys were, to, you know, if you guys were to go in there and stop them, um, you're not going to face that much backlash, in my personal opinion. But it's easy to sit there and and, and Monday morning quarterback it and say, "Oh, I would have went in there in a second or oh, "I would I would have never," I wouldn't listen to the stand down order. Blah, blah blah. It's easy for us to say that, looking at it now. That's not making an excuse for what happened. I still think. It, uh, so there something more should have been done uh, and there's a lot to get into with that and we don't know what's 100% true and what's not so i'm not going to get too far into that but it, you know it's always easy for people to say oh i would have done this or i would have done that without being in that kind of situation so um but i'm sorry with the tasing and the and the handcuffing of parents and throwing them on the, not just handcuffing them but throwing them on the ground while they're pleading to let, let me get my to my kids it, it, it's so horrifying um, but continues, continuing with this um this timeline at 1221pm the gunfire uh, gunfire starts again uh, the gunman fires again authorities say that he was believed to be at the classroom's door on a 911 call from a student three gunshots could be heard 1236 student in room 111 calls back for 21 seconds and is told to stay on the line quietly uh, about almost 10 minutes later the gunman sh- shoots the door um, they shooting at, uh, he's shooting at the door where the police can be heard next door. Uh, 1250. Finally, the border patrol kills the gunman shots are heard on the students call a border patrol tactical unit officer breaches the room using a janitor's key and kills the gunman. One minute later, children are moved from the room from the students. 911 call. It sounds like officers are moving children out of the room. At that time, the student makes it outside and call and the call cuts out. And then at one o six p.m., Uvalde police announced on Facebook that, that the shooter is in custody, which couldn't be in custody because you killed him. Then authorities recanted that information later on. So as you can see, just by this little timeline that I gave you, um, there's a lot of conflicting reports, obviously. It's obviously conflicting. We don't know exactly what... Ha- what, what exactly happened from moment to moment, but we do know... That was a long timeline. That was a long, um, from the moment that he got into the school, from police on the scene to finally killing the guy. Um, that's too long, way too long. And we're gonna we're gonna get into um, we're gonna get into some of these details here in a second, and then what could have been done, what should have been done, and then you know. So let me give give me a second to go through this and break it all down. Now, here's a report from NBC News, which is a source that I don't always trust, but they tried going through um, the details that were walked back. So they tried, this is them trying to clear up the misinformation. Now again, NBC News has been known for misinformation in the past, so again, take everything you hear in this podcast with a grain of salt. I'm just trying to get as much facts as I can from multiple different sources. I've I've gone through a lot of these articles and tried to pick what I think are the most accurate ones, but again, these these can change in just a day or two. So um, this article is called "Uvalde Shooting Evolving Narrative." Here are the details. Police have walked back so far. This was posted on June 1st, uh, yesterday. And it says, uh, the school door was shut before the gunman w- walked in. Uh, teacher, uh, the original claim was a teacher had propped open the school's back door shortly before the 18-year-old gunman entered and launched the rampage. Um, so it says, it was later determined that the school, uh, that the teacher who propped the door open with a rock later removed it and closed the door when she realized there was a shooter on the campus, but the door did not lock. Um... They said, we did verify she closed the door. The door did not lock. We know that much, and now investigators are looking into why it did not lock. Um, Here it says the gunman was confronted by a school officer. The original claim was an officer uh, with the Uvalde uh, Consolidated uh, Independent School District engaged the gunman before he entered the school. Um, What the authorities are saying now is the gunman wasn't confronted by the school police officer at, at all and entered the building unobstructed. Um, It says that there was no school resource officer stationed at the school on this day. When the officer did arrive at the school, he inadvertently passed the shooter who was crouched down next to a car. So, and then the other claim was um, officers had immediately entered the school, engaged the active shooter, and continued to keep him pinned down in that location, meaning the adjoining classroom the shooter had entered and opened fire and officers kept him pinned down in the room until a tactical team could be put together. Finally, when the door was breached, officers engaged the shooter and killed him. Now, what the authorities are saying now is rather than keeping the gunman pinned down, officials were unable to enter the classroom and stop the rampage despite uh, the lives at risk. Uh, They're saying that he was actually barricaded and not pinned down. It says um, on Friday that the commander on the scene said that the situation had changed from an active shooter to a barricaded subject. The on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject and that there was uh, time and that uh, there were no more children at risk, he said. Obviously, you know, based upon the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk, and it was, in fact, still an active shooter situation and not a barricaded subject. Um, they said there was at least 19 officers on the scene about a half hour after the government entered the school. In fact, there were plenty of officers to do whatever needed to be done, with one exception, is that the incident commander inside believed they needed more equipment and more officers to do a tactical breach at that, at that point. That's why a uh, Border Patrol tactical unit was requested on scene. As soon as they were there, they executed, they searched, they re- they released a d- dynamic entry and went in. Um, uh, they said that the classroom doors locked from the inside and noted hundreds of rounds were pumped into the four-minute uh, in Four minutes near those two classrooms. Any firing afterwards was sporadic, and it was at the door. So the belief is that there were, there may not be anybody living anymore and that the subject is now trying to keep law enforcement at bay or entice them to come in. Um, in raw admission, uh, they called the decision not to breach the classroom sooner a mistake. Um, quote, from the benefit of hindsight where I'm sitting now, of course, it, it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision. So then there's... Um, the time-lapse original claim was the shooter was in the school for 40 minutes to an hour before the classroom was breached. Authorities are saying now it was later revealed the gunman was in the school for over an hour before he was taken down, not 40 minutes. Um, so the original claim also here is the shooter w- uh, was wearing body armor. Um, the authorities are now saying the shooter was wearing the type of vest that tactical teams wear. So uh, it's not exactly body armor. It's more of a tactical vest, whatever. It's not really that... It's not that big of information. Um, so the original claim, again, for another, another um, walk back was, when asked Friday if any officers had rescued their own children from the school, uh, they said, not that I'm aware of, no. And then now they're saying, though it's not clear if any on-duty officers pulled their own children from the school, um, on, on NBC's Today show on Tuesday, uh, Jacob alvarado, uh, Said that he had helped rescue his own daughter, Jada, a second grader. So now we're finding out that someone did rescue their own. Um, Alvarado said that he ran to the school after receiving a text from his wife, Trisha, a fourth grade teacher, saying that there's an active shooter. Help, I love you. Uh, he helped clear out classrooms and evacuate students safely in the chaos, and he found his daughter a moment he called a big relief. So it, it, it's there's a lot of again. Now, again, I'm, I don't know how true all these are. Yeah, you know, but I'm hoping that a lot of these are true. Um, now I wanted to get into what exactly happened. So there's a timeline of what happened. Now we got to get into what made this psychopath do this this heinous act. Um. So it says in the days before. I'm not even. And you guys know me. I don't say names. I don't want to give these people any airtime. I don't care about this guy's name. Um it can be forgotten and rotten hell. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm not giving your name any airtime, but it says in the days before, you know, idiot shot and killed 21 people at Rob Elementary school, his grandmother d- demanded he remove a gun from her house. According to the neighbor and law enforcement official fam- f- familiar with the investigation, Rudy Martinez, who lives in the same neighborhood told the daily beast that, that on uh, Thursday prior to the daily massacre, um, Sally described, uh, idiot (laughs) becoming outraged at her for insisting he get at least one gun out of her house he says, We heard them yelling. I asked Sally what they were fighting about this time, and she told me she told him that uh, her and her sister or someone had found that he had brought guns into their house and she didn't want them there. The mass murderer's aunt, Natalie, told authorities that family had discovered a semi automatic rifle in a duffel bag that day and told him he had to take it out of the house because his grandfather has a criminal record and is not allowed to possess firearms. According to the law enforcement source, this was the Smith & Wesson m 15 that Ramos legally purchased on May 17th, one day after his 18th birthday. Um salazar told authorities that he left uh the shooter left the residence following the grandma's discovery according to law enforcement source records show that he acquired a second rifle a daniel defense m4 v7 that uh that friday he did not appear to have either rifle in immediate possession when he returned to the home on sunday according to law enforcement source the shooting was carried out on tuesday now let me stop this article real fast there's one thing i want to answer to Now, if you look into certain articles about the shooter and what his childhood was like, supposedly he grew up in a, you know, more of a poor family. He didn't have money, right? Um, Supposedly he dropped out of high school. He He just started a job at Wendy's. So I'm extremely curious how he was able to afford these rifles. Now, it's one thing to sit there... It's one thing to sit there and, um, and, and like, eh, it, people keep saying you could have saved birthday money for years and this and that. Um, so the Smith and Weston MMP 15 is a very common, um, AR 15. Uh, it's nothing too special. Uh, it's about, a, it runs about $800, $800, right? It's actually not a bad price for an AR 15. Uh, it's very basic. Now, what gets me, what really gets me, uh, and, and I, you know, again, I am a gun owner, and I know good rifles when I see them. And I know what good ones are. Um, the Daniel, the the Daniel Defense weapon that he had, it's a Daniel Defense M4 V7, is a two thousand dollar gun so it's you know so this exact gun that he bought was two thousand dollars it's a very nice it's a very nice gun um very high quality gun right um so right then just buying the smith and weston and buying the daniel defense you're you're looking at almost three thousand dollars right there and then they said that he bought 375 rounds of ammunition now just a couple days prior i was at the shooting range in texas testing out different firearms And I noticed that five, five, six, two, two, three AR rounds were about a dollar each. So now you're talking about $375 worth of ammunition. Um, So now, now you got, you got um, about almost $3,500 worth of stuff. And then supposedly he bought tactical vests and this and that. So I'm going to round it over and say he spent in, you know, about $4,000. Now I'm not saying this as a conspiracy theory, but I think someone needs to look into the fact of where the heck did you get four thousand dollars? If you if you're working at Wendy's that you just got a job at, you just turned eighteen, how do you have four thousand dollars? And then how did you, uh, how how did you have this money to obtain these guns? And then you know, looking into you know his past and his aggressiveness, and his Instagram posts, and Facebook posts, because you guys don't realize the stuff that we post on social media is always being watched, there's keywords, and how, how was something not caught that this guy was talking about certain things, and you know, then he goes out and buys a rifle, and then buys another rifle, and then buys 375 rounds of ammunition and tactical gear, it's like, what are you what are you doing, right? So, you know, there's, there's things that, you know, should have been a red flag to begin with, but I'm going to finish this article real fast. It says, uh... Celia Gonzalez, the grandmother, was ultimately shot in the face by the shooter and could not be reached for comment, obviously. She's recovering from being shot in the face. Uh She declined to comment for this story and attempts to reach her sister, the shooter's mother. Uh It was unsuccessful. Now, I do have comments from the mother, which you're not going to believe here in a second. Uh It goes on to say, um... I didn't know what they were fighting about. Martinez told uh, the Daily Beast, "I wish we he sh- he would have just taken his anger out on me instead of everybody else. That would have been better than kill- than him killing all those little babies in the school over over there." Um, the shooter's grandfather and Gonzalez's husband has said that he would never. He would have never allowed guns into his home in the first place. He told the Daily Beast that he would he only learned about guns' potential presence at the, that that Sunday at that point. According to the law enforcement uh, source who cited Salazar's account, that the shooter had returned home and appeared to no longer have any guns. "Quote: No, I would I would have made sure that he didn't bring them into our house because I have a record and I cannot be around guns or anything like that." Uh, He said, I am always very, really careful because they could send me to jail for even being around them. Uh, Martinez, the neighbor, affirmed that Reyes uh, has always been very cautious when it comes to being around guns. Quote, most of us around here go deer hunting. Uh, Ronaldo won't even go out to to the deer lease with us because of the guns. He's very careful about that. So... That is the story of from the grandmother and the you know the guns being in the house. They told him to get out. So obviously the, he, I think he only took one gun out, but still had the other one there and was probably still mad that they were making him take him out. And that's what led to him shooting his grandmother. Now here's the, from ABC News: the mother of the Texas gunman says, "Quote: He was not a monster, and, but could be aggressive." This is actually pretty. Um, now I get it to a certain extent that this is your child right this is your child um this is your son um and you don't want to i guess you don't want to go out there and call a spade a spade so you're trying to kind of save face but with you know someone that just murdered 21 people 19 of them being children um to sit there and say your son wasn't a monster is kind of outlandish but uh sorry the, the, the story really gets to me as a parent. It's 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 very chilling, but um, the mother of the 18-year-old gunman, uh, I guess, it's accused. We all know it was him, but told ABC News in an interview that her son was not a monster, but that he could be aggressive. She said, "I quote uh, and, and quote I had an uneasy feeling sometimes, like what are you up to? Um, he can be aggressive if he got, if he got really mad." Ray is a son, accused shooter, uh, shooter idiot allegedly purchased two two assault rifles stop right there now I'm going to make one quick comment anyone that uses the term assault rifles is the dumbest ter- I hate that term because what is assault assault is an action okay real quick gun lesson AR in AR-15 does not stand for assault rifle it stands for Armalite. Armalite is the original makers of the AR-10, the AR-15. It was the company's name. It was literally, It's literally spelled A-R-M-A-L-I-T-E. Armalite is why it's called the AR-10, AR-15. It is not assault rifle. The same way, and the, the example I always give is, if I take a golf club and I'm holding it, it's a golf club. If I take said golf club and hit you in the face with it, it's now an assault golf club. It's an action you do with the object. So, calling something... Number one, it's been illegal. It has been illegal since 1986 to own a fully automatic rifle, um, which is what they try and get you to believe that AR-15s are. They are not. They are semi-automatic rifles. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I hate the term assault rifle. It's a made-up term to make things sound scarier. It's a political move, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But it says that he purchased two assault rifles in the days after he turned 18 and used them to carry out the second deadliest school shooting in U.S. history, all within the span of eight days um his mother said, we all have rage that some people have it more than others uh, Reyes expressed sympathy for the children who were killed and the parents who lost them multiple times during the interview, but said that she was not aware that her son had been buying the weapons uh, she said, those kids, I have no words, I don't know what to say about those poor kids um some classmates told ABC News that the shooter was known for fighting and threatening fellow students. They said he exhibited increasingly disturbing behavior over the past two years, threatening at least one classmate and stalking others, and that he he claimed to have cut scars into his face. Um, the shooter is accused of shooting his grandmother at their own home. Uh, anyone, who shoots, anyone that shoots their grandmother in the face has to be evil at heart. But it is far more evil for someone to gun down little kids is what governor Greg Abbott said. It, I mean, again, I get trying to save face cause it's your son and you don't want to believe what he just did, but trying to say that he's not a monster and stuff like that just kind of doesn't sit well with me. I think it's kind of outlandish. Um, so here we're going to get into an article uh, basically talking about the shooter's background, which I think is very important to talk about. Um, no excuse, obviously no excuses made, but you get to kind of look into his mind and basically how he was. So this is an article from, um, it was from Economic Times. Uh, it says... According to reports, he was he was uh, at the crime scene for over an hour, and his friends say he was in aggressive and violent nature due to his uneasy childhood and school bullying incidents. According to reports, the 18-year-old shooter was a lonely child who was bullied in school over his speech impairment. His friends have reported a disturbing family background that made him lash out at people. Even the family members are mentioning violent incidents over the years. The young shooter, that shall not be named, Uh, purchased the weapon i've already talked about this a million times um he took to social media to announce his next target was a school where he had he headed uh in body armor wielding an ar-15 rifle what is the reaction of the family members um so it says here that uh a kid named valdez said that they used to be friends until his his behavior worsened uh, he mentioned a park incident where he came with cuts all over his face. Initially, the shooter said that the, a cat scratched his face, but later he told the truth, that he used a knife over his face again and again for fun. There were repeated mentions of him being bullied in school for stutter and strong lisps. Another one of his uh, of his friends um, said that he was bullied badly over everything. He was bullied over his speech, social media, gaming, and whatnot. Um uh, Garcia called the shooter a nice and shy kid who just needed to get out, according to Garcia, after he and his mother relocated to a different part of Texas. The shooter's situation kept deteriorating with time. After that, uh, he dropped out of school. According to other classmates, uh, the shooter missed a lot of high school and wasn't in line to graduate on time. Uh, his cousin Mia said that the shooter used to brush off bullying in middle school but used to complain to his grandmother that he didn't like want to go back. Mia mentioned how the shooter started feeling uncomfortable at school. The whole bullying thing just took him more and more away from everyone. Uh, Ruben Flores was a neighbor of the family. Flores tries to be a father to the kid who had a difficult life with his mom. Uh, Flores and his wife used to invite him over for dinner and such, but with time, the condition uh, at, at, at the home just got worse. Uh, continuing, it says, uh, Flore- Flores and other people mentioned that the shooter's mom used to do drugs and was was rarely available. On social media, many of his friends have also mentioned incidents of the shooter's Instagram as well. Uh, They said that he used to post images of automatic rifles from his wish list. Um, uh, Just four days before the shooting, the shooter posted a picture of two rifles with the caption, My Gun Picks. Now, number one, obviously they weren't automatic rifles. They're just saying that, but I digress. According to another classmate, two months ago, the shooter added a video... To his story, he was screaming at his mother who was kicking him out of the house. Uh, they said there were cops present and the shooter was calling his mother a B-word and was talking aggressively. She also said that he, she could easily recall at least five fist-fighting incidents that involved the shooter. Uh, Valdez had his last interaction with the shooter just two hours prior to the shooting. They had a small conversation about school, shared a, shared, shared a meme that said, why us school... Why a school still open? Um, which the shooter never replied to the, the last open text from Valdez. Uh, the shooter was carrying AR-15 semi-automatic rifle, a high capacity magazine. He started shooting around 1132 and he was later killed by law enforcement. No one really knew who the 18 year old shooter uh, and what was going on in his head before he took it, took the life of, of 19 children and two adults. According to his friend, the, the shooter really needed mental help and closure with his family. Um, so this goes into the fact of, again, I think Joe Rogan says it best that we, we as a country have a mental health issue that's disguised as a gun problem. Uh, one thing, when you look at all these mass shooters or uh, the gun violence and, and all these, you know, cases, Aurora shooting and 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 um, you know this shooting and you know other school shootings, there's many common denominators uh, besides a gun being used and. They either had a really bad home life, they were bullied, or one of the other common denominators no one ever wants to talk about or admit to is a lot of these kids, or usually they're younger, are on antidepressants, and antidepressants mess with your mind, and it's a very sad thing to see Uh, these things could be, uh, you know, prevented, now... That's the story of this shooter and this incident. I know a lot of people wanted to know my 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 take on the whole incident and, you know, like I said I was in Texas, I was about 200 miles away. Um and, you know, was sitting in my uh apartment and I started doing a bunch of research on what was going on, trying to get the facts and um as a parent of four kids, it it it's it's honestly heartbreaking and it's very 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 sad. Um but You know, obviously, the most disgusting thing that I've seen from this entire thing was within minutes of this news breaking is politicians on both sides of the aisle um, trying to use this whole thing for political gain. And... Uh, we we saw Democrats automatically start going to gun control going to um you know campaigning for vote for us in the midterms and we will get guns off the streets blah 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 and then and this still hasn't been confirmed uh, but supposedly supposedly i again this this is I've seen this narrative change two or three times now we don't even know if it's true or not supposedly the shooter was a transgender trying to claim that he was a woman um and then we find out that apparently the pictures are fake and then we find out later on that they're actually real i i don't know anymore um but it it also it comes down to uh so then you had you know republicans out there within you know a couple minutes or an hour or so finding this out trying to push the narrative um that he did it because he was transgender and it's the, and it's the left trying to push this ideology on kids and it made them go crazy and they're basically a, a, in the most sincere way possible um it's despicable i mean and I, be very blunt and honest and i'm sorry for it's, it's kind of graphic but these children's bodies were still warm and you're already pushing a narrative for political gain. And it is sickening. And I don't care if you're left or right. I don't care if you're liberal, conservative, whatever. And You're trying to turn these dead children into political pawns for your agenda. And it's absolutely sickening. And that was probably the worst thing that I saw that day. Uh, besides the initial news of this happening. But it did spark a debate. Obviously, I go by the name Glock 9. I, I own, you know, I own guns. I am a huge gun advocate. Um, call me a gun fanatic. Uh, but, you know, there are things that I think need to be done. And, you know, I'll get into that right now. And I want to talk about gun gun deaths and gun, you know, um, laws. And we'll, you know, and we'll, we will have an honest conversation about it. Okay? So... One thing I want to explain, and there's an article here from pewresearch.org. Um, they have data from the most recent, the, the most recent you can find is 2020 because it has the most like, up-to-date uh, facts of gun violence. And there's actually an interesting fact that I found from this article, and I will, I will read this article to you because there's a lot of interesting things in, in this article that I found... It's, you know, And it says uh, what the data shows about gun deaths in the U.S. It says more Americans died of gun-related injuries in 2020 than in any other year on record. Mind you, this is 2020. This was the pandemic year that started in March. So the fact that you had the most gun violence during a time of lockdowns is kind of insane, but w- you'll figure that out in a second. It says according to recently published statistics from the Centers of Disease Control, which is kind of weird that CDC is doing this, but. It says that included a record number of gun murders as well as near record numbers of gun suicides. Despite the increase in such fatalities, the rate of gun deaths, a statistic that accounts for the nation's growing population, remains below levels of earlier years. Here's a closer look at the gun deaths in the United States based on Pew Research analysis data from the CDC, the FBI, and other sources. You can also read key publics. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, it says how many people die from gun-related injuries each year. It says in 2020, the most recent year for which complete data is available, 45,222 people died from gun-related injuries in the U.S. Now, obviously, that's a big number—45,000 people. Even though we have 380 million uh, citizens, 45,000 is a lot when you hear when you hear that number it says, according to the CDC, that figure includes gun murders and gun suicides, along with three others, less common types of gun-related deaths tracked by the CDC, those were that were unintentional, those that involved law enforcement, and those whose circumstances could not be determined. The total excludes deaths in which gunshot injuries played a contributing but not principal role. Um, so it says, uh, what share of U.S. gun deaths are murders and what are suicides. Though they tend to be or get less public attention than gun-related murders, suicides have long accounted for the majority of U.S. gun deaths. In 2020, 54% of all gun-related deaths in the U.S. were actually suicide, while 43% were from murders. So obviously the number they're going to throw in your face is oh there was forty five thousand two hundred twenty two gun violence deaths in in the U S and and then but they're not going to get into the facts so in reality, suicides actually accounted for twenty four point or twenty four thousand two hundred ninety two deaths while murders were nineteen thousand three hundred eighty four um, and then you had uh, the un- five hundred thirty five unintentional six hundred eleven were involved law enforcement. And then four hundred had undetermined circumstances. So that's a big difference when you look at suicides. Now again, I've talked about this before with how much damage these lockdowns did, and and you know obviously this you know, I talked about this before. Suicide rates were up because of all these lockdowns and isolation and loneliness that people were feeling. Um, but this isn't a new thing. They were say, they you know, they're saying in these articles that normally every year that. The gun violence, that number that they give you, over half of them are due to suicides rather than, you know, murders on each other. Um, it says, what share of all murders and suicides in, in the U.S. involve a gun? It says, nearly 8 in 10 of U.S. murders in 2020, 19,384 out of 24,576 involved a firearm. That marked the highest percentage since at least 1968, the earliest year of which the CDC has online records. A little over half of all suicides in 2020, uh, 24,292 out of 45,979, involved a gun, a percentage that has generally remained stable in recent years. How has the number of U.S. gun deaths changed over time? The 45,222 total gun deaths in 2020 were by far the most on record, representing a 14% increase from the year before, a 25% increase from five years earlier, and a 43% increase from a decade prior. Gun murders in particular have climbed sharply in recent years. The 19,384 gun murders that took place in 2020 were the most since 1968, exceeding the previous peak of 18,000 253 in 1993. The 2020 total represented a 34 increase from the year before, a 49% increase over 5 years and a 75% increase over 10 years. The number of gun suicides has also risen in recent years, climbing 10% over 5 years and 25% over 10 years and is near its highest point on record. The 24,292 gun suicides that took place in 2020 were the most in any year except 2018 that had 24,432 now moving forward i'm gonna skip ahead in this article just a little bit to where it says which type of firearms are most commonly used in gun murders in the u.s in 2020 handguns were involved in 59 percent of the 13,620 u.s gun murders and not non-, non Uh, negligent manslaughters for which data is available according to the FBI rifles, the category that includes guns sometimes referred to as, quote, assault weapons, were involved in only 3% of firearm murders. Shotguns were involved in 1%, the remainder of gun homicides and non-negligent manslaughters. 36% involved other kinds of firearms or those classified as type not stated. Uh, It's important to note that FBI's statistics do not capture the details of all gun murders in the U.S. each year. Um, But you're obviously seeing that handguns actually... Uh, are responsible for most of the gun murders, but yet we always go after ARs. Now, um, to get into uh, a topic that no one ever wants to talk about, right? So number one, for a mass shooting, uh, if you actually look this up, there is no definition for an actual mass shooting, like how many people must be killed, how many people must be involved. It's it's a... Um, it's a slippery slope when you get in this scenario like a lot of people say it's five or more to be considered a mass shooting but it, it all depends on what the media wants to push right uh because you know speaking of gun laws and this is where i'm gonna get into gun laws here in a second um and and why adding more adding more laws or trying to take guns away will not help so if you look into states that have the strictest laws we all know that you know every state has different laws but people don't all don't realize that different cities have different laws, okay? So, this is where, I'm going to show you how people try and curb, you know, and try and get around the facts of one of the most violent cities in the entire country is Chicago. And you'll hear this talking point a lot about how Chicago has the most crime. So, here we just had this shooting in, um, in, in Uvalde in Texas, right? That's all we're talking about. The very next weekend was Memorial Day weekend, and in Chicago, there was forty-seven people shot and nine fatally over the week, just over the weekend. Now, in the entire country, what they try and do is tell you uh, by state. So, if you actually look at, um, so for twenty twenty, if you're looking at, I'm looking at a map right here for uh, the most most uh, uh, violent states or whatever. They try and go by the entire state, which Illinois doesn't have that many gun laws in the state. It's by the city. So in different towns within Illinois, uh, you can buy firearms here, there, whatever. But in Chicago, as as far as I know and the research I've done, you can't even buy a firearm in Chicago. They, they are basically outlawed. You cannot buy one. There's like no gun stores in Chicago um, or in, in the outskirts of Chicago and they have the most crime. They have the most gun violence, but when you know when they say oh it's not that violent because by per 100,000 by per 100,000 you only have uh like a 14.1 death rate, right? Um so it actually ranks Illinois lower, but if you go by cities of death rate, the number one city that has the highest death rate, it's actually higher than pretty much any other is St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, St. Louis, Missouri actually has uh, the highest death rate. And then below that is New Orleans, Detroit, Memphis, and Chicago. Uh, the, those are the top ones listed. And then if you actually do your research and look into each city's laws, they actually have very strict laws within those cities. So a lot of people will point to like how New Orleans is number two. Uh, Louisiana as a state, um, has laws to where it there's not as many gun laws in Louisiana, the state, but in the city of New Orleans, uh, which is a very is at one point was the murder capital of the country. Um, there are very extensive gun laws, and it's very hard to get a firearm in New Orleans. So when you look, and then when you start looking at all these cases of gun violence, a lot of the guns that are being used are illegal firearms. Um, they are not, you know, registered, they are not in a database, it was bought off the street with a scratched off serial number, it's, you know, the the common term is a ghost gun, Uh, there's many ways you can get a ghost gun, like a family member passes away, and then basically you just take the gun, scratch the serial code off, and there's no way of tracing it back to you, Um, so that's where I get to the next point of, When people keep talking about we need to pass more gun laws, we need to pass more gun laws. What gun laws are you going to pass? Now, I'm going to be very brutally honest here. Um, Last I checked, it's illegal to murder somebody. Uh, Last I checked, it's illegal to carry a gun on school property. Um, Why am I saying this and being, you know, kind of rude about it is people don't understand that criminals don't, don't care about laws. Um, you know, just like we made drugs illegal and yet we, st- this country still has a major drug problem. Um, you know, it just, just trying to say you can't have this doesn't mean that you are going to eliminate everything. So, for example, let me give you an example. Let's say they infringe on the Second Amendment, the, you know, Second Amendment, you know, the right to bear arms, it shall not be infringed. Um, if they decided we're to go around and confiscate every known gun that we have, because they can, you know, people always talk about gun registries and this and that. But in reality, if you ever bought a gun, you realize that you have to file a bunch of paperwork when you buy this weapon. So they know you have it. You're technically, it's technically already registered. They know who has it. They, you know, they know, they know what you have, um, whether you want to admit it or not. So if they went and took every gun away from every registered gun owner, um, who's left with guns, the bad guys, so in these cities that have extensive gun laws, why is there more crime? Because people like me who are law-abiding citizens, they know that they can get away with more stuff because the majority of people in that city don't have firearms to defend themselves with. Then when you look at a state like Texas, now Texas is a huge state. Um, Texas does have bad areas, and they are on the list of one of the top states. um, by by per hundred thousand people or whatever uh due to gun violence or in, or whatever but um in most in most outside of the major cities where most of the crime is um there's not as many break-ins there's not as many crimes there's not as many gun violence because in texas you don't know who has a gun and who doesn't they 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 just passed a constitutional carry where you, without a permit you can conceal carry or open carry if you choose to choose to so the likelihood of you trying to rob somebody or get into a confrontation with somebody, you don't know if they're armed or not. Now, if you're in a city like Chicago and you have an illegal firearm, more than likely you run into someone that looks like a law-abiding citizen. They're not going to have one, so they can't defend themselves. So, you know, that's usually when when crime ends up going up. It's not, this isn't a speculation. This isn't an opinion. This is a common fact. Whenever, whenever they start passing more laws in these cities or states or whatever, crime ends up going up because criminals don't care about laws. Uh, and the the argument I don't I don't understand why we're not what we're not talking about is we arm football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, the Oscars, talk shows, movie sets, everything with firearms. You know, you have the president out there who's already an idiot, um, congressmen, senators who literally talk about banning guns and, and we should do away with guns and the second amendment is not absolute, blah, blah, blah. You remember that these people who are telling you we should get rid of guns are literally protected by guns. Like for example, January 6th happened. I think I talked about this in my last podcast we were talking about the Buffalo shooting by what? By by the way, and I hated that that podcast was coming out last week when I was in Texas and I didn't have anything on my computer, and I was kind of talking about guns in that podcast, and just so happened the Texas shooting happened, and it just bad timing, bad 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 timing, um, but co- to continue, um, you know January sixth happened, and what did they do? There was no gun violence at at the January sixth uh, Capitol riot, um. But yet, what did they do? They decided to fence off the entire Capitol building and protect it with what? With guns. So here's the thing. Obviously, schools have become a target, which is very unfortunate, very frightening as a parent, uh, even though my kids are homeschooled. So why are we not taking action to secure these schools? Why are they being targeted? I can think about my high school, my middle school. Anyone could just walk on campus at any time. It was not a secured school. I was actually having a conversation with my dad the other day about how when he was at school, he actually grew up in the Chicago area. And at his school, there was only one way in and one way out, and as soon as school started, that was locked down, and then you had to go through a checkpoint to even get in the school. All the doors are locked. There's no way into the school unless you go through the front of the school. And they had, um, you know, school resource officers. And you know, when I was in high school. We had a school resource officer that would, that was an actual police officer that would patrol the campus. Um, but here we are. We know that schools are being targeted because people like this, what just happened in in Texas, just walked into the school, walked across the parking lot, across the field, and walked right into the school um, because there was no protection, there was no school resource officer, there was nobody patrolling, there was nobody on the scene to deal with this at the time. Why are we not? ramping up the infrastructure to protect schools because these kids are sitting ducks and people like this who are crazy psychotic um why are we not putting you know officers at the schools why are we not you know fencing off the schools so there's only one way in one way out why are we not putting doors around the schools where they're locked at all times and no one can get in uh without going through a certain entrance why are we not even talking about this we're talking about the gun. The weapon that was used, but we're not talking about the infrastructure of protecting these children. And that's a part of me that is very frustrated because now, you know, this is the argument people get in all the time. Oh, well, look at the UK. They banned guns and their gun violence went down. Yes, but what skyrocketed? Knife violence. People were stabbing each other rather than shooting each other. And then they actually, in the UK, uh, parts of the UK, not all the UK, they actually banned knives. And then what skyrocketed after that? Bats and hammer violence went up. The people don't realize if you are this evil and you want to kill somebody or you want to hurt somebody, you will find a way to do it. The same thing happened in Australia. They banned guns, confiscated guns, and actually they have more gun violence today than they did before they just don't have the quote-unquote mass shootings which again we don't even have specific ramifications of what a mass shooting is is it three people is it five is it 10 is it 15 what is declared a mass shooting it's whatever the media says it is so there's actually a lot of violence in australia i was just looking at a report earlier but at the same time when they did outlaw guns in australia the same thing happened again you started seeing knife murders uh increasing and bat murders and and other types of weapons being used um you know, uh, you know, we sit there, we talk about you know all the alcohol and, and, you know alcohol induced uh, violence and, and drunk driving, and we don't we don't take away alcohol, we don't take away cars. It's the person doing the act that is irresponsible. But here we have gun violence, and we want to talk about oh the weapon itself, and when we already have proof around the country that if you take away guns, only the bad people will have guns, and a lot of body citizens are the ones that you're putting at risk we have more guns than we have citizens so here you are you have a small majority of people that carry off carry out a heinous act right but here you are going after the majority which the majority is me 98 plus percent of gun owners are law-abiding citizens that did nothing wrong and you want to change the rules for everybody because of, of this small amount of people now i'm not saying that certain things shouldn't change now I do know we have HIPAA laws and medical laws to where your medical record is um, private, but I do believe that um, there should be, on you know, more extensive background checks. Uh, they should be, you know, obviously if you're a criminal, you have a criminal history. Obviously, you should not be owning a firearm. Now we should be able to, when you're looking at backgrounds of people when you're buying a firearm, there should be. Um, in my personal opinion, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but. There should be some kind of mental health screening, whether you have to take a mental health test or um, they have they have access to your medical record where if you went to if you've been going to a therapist and the therapist thinks that you shouldn't be owning one or you're a medication that messes with your brain function, you shouldn't be allowed to own one. And then if you already own one, let's say you already own one and then you have to go see a therapist for. You know, suicide thoughts or you know, aggression or whatever, and then their therapist deems that you are not fit to own a firearm. You can have them taken away. Now, I know a lot of people are going to jump to the conclusion where oh, they'll use that to take people's guns away, blah blah blah. But we obviously have a mental health issue, especially a young, uh, among uh, sorry uh, among young people, such as 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. And there's many things that could be looked at, but the main thing is, obviously, schools are becoming a target for these psychos. We need to increase infrastructure first on these schools to protect the children. Um, and then, obviously, you know, gun owners like me who own enough guns um, believe in a, you know increasing background checks, increasing medical um, checks, and, and and things like that to make sure that these guns don't fall into um, the wrong hands. Now, I did just see a report and a picture of the school shooter. Actually, um, supposedly there's pictures that were posted of him holding bags of dead cats, and he was known for killing cats and, and neighborhood animals, which is usually a sign of um, serial killers among other among other, um you know, psychotic traits. So you know, it's, it's an actual picture of him. There's no dispute of it. It's actually him. There's no way of disputing it. You know, so there's 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 things that could have been prevented. Um, there's things that could have been looked at, and things that could be done better. But I'm you know, I'm sorry to tell you, taking away guns from law abiding citizens is not the answer. You know, people want to sit there and talk about oh, yo, know, people think that you know it's because the government's going to come after you and this and that. I mean, where have you been the last two years, whether you agree with it or not? We have a government that oversteps their boundaries and locks us all in our houses, um, shuts down businesses because of, uh, you know, uh, basically telling you you can't have your business open and puts you out of business, and then tries to tell you you have to get a vaccine against your will or you can lose your job. Uh, we're, We're stepping into a dangerous part of totalitarianism, and basically government overstepping boundaries and then here you are you want to give up the gun, you know your you know your guns and we know we've seen it many times before in history where you 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 give up guns and the government has all the control I'm not saying that's going to happen but you know you shouldn't be so willing to give up your rights again the Second Amendment is not a privilege, it is a right. And it was this country was founded on in 1776. Your First Amendment was the freedom of speech. You have the right to say and, you know, print and talk about what you want. And the Second Amendment was to defend yourself if someone tried to basically take away your First Amendment. Those are the first two things that were passed. Whether you like it or not, this is the country you live in. That's what we were founded on. The First Amendment and the Second Amendment, there's a reason why they were passed in that order. So You know they are your right As an American citizen And you know you should be very careful With trying to give up those rights You know so easily Now I know we're going over an hour And I've been talking for quite a bit I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit Not lose my voice but it's starting to get a little raspy I apologize But I did want to point out to some people that If you do not own guns And don't know anything about guns Let me explain something to you It doesn't matter if it's an AR-15, an AR-10, a Glock, a uh, freaking Beretta, doesn't matter what kind of gun it is. I will be the first to tell you, um, sure, AR-15s look like a military-style weapon. Uh, they function the same as a pistol. It doesn't matter if a round is a 5.56 five, or if a round is a 9mm or a forty five, A bullet is a bullet. In reality, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, most of these shooters that you hear about with these AR-15s, you're, number one, you're you're kind of lucky they didn't go in there with a handgun, because anyone knows handguns are way easier to operate than an AR-15, uh, you could do way more damage with them, but at the same time, imagine if these guys were using shotguns, and the spread of these shotguns, um, but everyone wants to point at the AR-15 because they look so scary, They look so scary. There's no reason that anyone should own one, Uh, but in 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 reality, with how these weapons are handled, and they're not really meant for close range. They're they're meant for longer range, a little bit longer range, because they're more used. uh, You can use them as a hunting rifle or a sporting rifle. Um, Handguns and shotguns are more for close range, and these kind of attacks that these guys end up pulling out, and you know. Consider ourselves a little i, I was—I don't want to say lucky because they're all tra- you know, tragedies already, but it could have been way worse if these morons knew anything about guns and how they work and the control of them. Again, an AR-15 is not meant to be, not meant to be really used in close quarter combat, and you know, but just because it looks scarier and they can use it for political gain, that's why you hear about them so often that's why they also said in the report earlier that most violence due to, due to firearms per year is 59% handguns because they're easier to conceal you can't see them coming an AR15 you can't just tuck that in your pants and and walk away you know and walk into a store or a school or something like that they're going to see it a handgun you can get in the middle of a crowd or in the middle of a place and no one knows you have it it's that much more dangerous now that's not saying that we should outlaw handguns but at this you know just think about the 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 logic behind it now i know a lot of people are going to disagree and think that we should ban them and this and that well all i have to say to you is the second amendment should not be infringed um you know taking away law-abiding citizens guns has been proven by fact in multiple cities uh that is not the right way to do it you should be you know Using the taxpayers' money, like we you know, should be used to protect our children. If we're paying taxpayer money to pay for your security for baseball, basketball, and all those other sports and all the other crap for celebrities and and politicians, we should be able to protect our own our own babies and protect our own children, um, so they can go to school and be safe at the school. You know, and I don't think anyone could disagree with that. That should be talked about first before we talk about taking away guns. It's not the gun problem; it's the evil. It's an evilness problem. I talked about this in the last podcast. It's evil, and evil will find a way to to, to carry out an attack. Um, and it, it's it's a mental health issue that this country has. I mean, you look at how mo- you know the average age of depression is lower than it's ever has been before. Uh, the number of suicides in teenagers and, and and young adults has skyrocketed, especially since 2020 then isolating everybody and then also pushing medication on, on teenagers nowadays has become the new norm where I had this conversation the other day where it kind of sucks to say, but depression is kind of part of high school. Uh, most high schoolers go through it. You know, you're comparing yourself to other people or your first breakup or, you know, it becomes, it becomes a normal thing or you're, or you're stressing out because of your grades. Uh, a lot of people in high school deal with depression, but nowadays, uh, your parents will take you to a therapist, and within a couple of sessions, the therapist is like, "Oh yeah, you need antidepressant pills," and you're pushing them, pushing these you know, these pills on a developing brain, and it's not always, you know, it's not a one size fit all fits all drug, and it's it's becoming a really bad issue when you start looking into the facts of de- antidepressants because that becomes one. I, I, now I don't know if this guy in Texas was on antidepressants. It, it, it's been reported that he was it's been reported that he wasn't so we don't know the true facts on it but one of the common denominators in a lot of these mass shootings is the mass shooter was on antidepressants so um just keep that in mind i'm gonna cut it short here i would love to have somebody on the podcast i would love to have somebody on the podcast that um may have a difference of opinion uh, and maybe want to talk about it. So if, if you're that person, or you know somebody that would want to come on and have a friendly conversation, not a debate, not an angry argument, just an honest conversation, um, I'm o- I'm always open to that. You know, I love you guys' reviews and your guys' um, you know take on the episodes and and my take on things. I'm, I am I'm not worried about scrutiny or dis- people disagreeing. I believe we all have a right to our own opinion. But I follow my own personal opinion is I follow facts. And data and my and the facts and data that I follow shows that taking guns away and adding more gun laws ain't, ain't gonna solve anything. Um, it, it, there's you know I'm not saying that everyone should own a gun, but there should be certain certain laws in place. And I'm kind of going back at, on what I said earlier, but I'm trying to reiterate it to you guys. But that's it for this episode, guys. I really do appreciate it. As always, you can find us on all major platforms from Apple to Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and many more. If you guys want to help this podcast grow, make sure you guys leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I greatly appreciate it. But the best way to help this podcast grow is to share it with a friend. As always, thank you guys all for your support. I'll see you on the next episode. Peace.